Hey, this is Jason from A Nice Place to Brew. Welcome to Episode 7, A Nice Place to Brew's second mobile episode. Today we travel to Pollyanna Brewing Company in Lamont, Illinois, and we talk to Ed Malnar, their co-founder and VP of Operations. Pollyanna Brewing Company just had their uh, recently celebrated their first anniversary, and we got a chance to talk to Ed about his background, how he got started in home brewing, and what brought, the, brought him to opening up his own brewery, which just had his uh, first anniversary. It was a really great conversation, had a great time being out there, and uh, really learned a lot. There is a buzzing throughout this episode that we will do everything we can to uh, to minimize, and uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. Mobile Edition 2. Mobile Edition 2. This is our first show in an actual brewery. At the time of this recording, it is a Monday night. I am on a bar stool, and I have a very nice looking beer right in front of me. And we have microphones, and we have a brewer with us as well. So to put, uh, put a framework around this, life is good. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we walked in and just thought we'd do a show, uh, you know, uh, was talking to them about doing a show and they put two beers in front of us and who are we to argue? <laughs> so um, I have here a Belgian strong made with apricot and Jason, you have a brown, right? Yes, I do. And I, I, I can't wait for this. Let's, let's dive right in. Well, let's introduce our guest here first. You know, um, our guest, uh, his name is Ed. He's one of the brewers here at Pollyanna Brewery down in Lamont, Illinois. Uh, Ed, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Ed, thank you so much for having us. It's great to have you guys out. I know we've been kind of working on this, uh, this little deal for a couple of months maybe but it's it's finally great to have you guys out this evening thank you no it's a pleasure to be here it's a pleasure pleasure to talk with you as well uh i guess to put a, a framework around uh, things at first as well i'd like to issue, give you a congratulations for the uh, first anniversary uh for here at the brewery yeah thanks thanks appreciate that yeah yeah we've uh, yeah we passed our our first anniversary actually coming up on uh 13 months in a couple of days right now so that's awesome uh-huh that's yeah. awesome so how long have you uh, been brewing before uh, before opening here Pollyanna yeah well okay so and it's I think directly relates to what you guys are all about I uh, I started home brewing about 14 years ago and um, you know I, I love the hobby it's a fantastic hobby you, you get to learn so many things and you, and you get to meet so many great people uh, that love craft beer, so we all have that kind of that common denominator. And um, uh, yeah, I started 14 years ago and uh, just kind of slowly worked my way through the whole thing, learning how to brew different beers, meeting people along the way. Um, as I say, some really great people, probably some of the best people I've ever met in my life are through this hobby. And um, slowly work my way up to owning a brewery that's kind of a that's kind of a long story very very short <laughs> <laughs> well good enough um so speaking of that you have like i said you you pop down some beers in front of us here i know you uh, jason you have the brown ale what was that called what do you guys call that gosh it was the brown ale is uh you know i'm not even sure jason what you have there you mind if i taste it because sure, uh sure. we've got that actually looks a little bit lighter than a brown Okay, 
That's our Doppelbach. Oh, Doppelbach. That's okay, a so Doppelbach. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a brown ale. Okay, it's, it's a lager. Uh, sorry, a that's how it was described to me. So, <laughs> all right, well, yeah, it's let's hard to find good help nowadays. <laughs> that's okay. Let's give it a sh- let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Guys. That's got a nice body to it. Yeah, it's it's a lager. It's a Doppelbach, you know, mm-hmm. so it should be very very malt forward. It is. Um, yeah. There should be a bit of a sweetness to it. Um, you know, we like to say that we brew some really solid examples of beers here, and and that's, in our opinion, a really solid example of a Doppelbach. Yeah, not a whole lot of hop character to it, but you know, just good solid meaty kind of flavor so yeah it's all very nice all about the malt all about the traditional german malts okay there's a question that i like to ask uh brewers and 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 it's it's a curious point to me just because everybody has a very unique answer to it and i'll and i'll ask it to you at what point did brewing become more than just a hobby for you that this uh this felt like something that was going to be uh something that was going to kind of carry to a professional setting like like you have here yeah, that's a really good question, right? You know, anybody who, I shouldn't say anybody, but I think most people who get involved in this hobby, you know, once they learn about how to brew beer and all those, as I mentioned earlier, those multiple facets that are involved with beer, craft beer in particular, um, you know, you start, you start dreaming, right? You go, okay, well, this would be cool to make a living at this. But, you know, it took a while for me and... So your question is, okay, to at, at what point? Well, you know, my background is architecture, and, you know, I, I spent about 30 years in the architectural business, and when the economy took a turn in 2008, things started getting kind of bad in architecture, and by August of 2009, I was out of a job. So I needed to find something else to do. Fortunately, by that point, I had done or I'd met a, a good number of people in home brewing, right? Um, and I did uh, a bunch of soul searching and trying to figure out, okay, what is it I can do? Because in 2009, um, I got to do the math, I was uh, 51 years old, a little bit old, maybe, depending on who you're talking to. I hear but it's the new 30. It's, I it's, <laughs> in my case, I think it is the new 30, you know, and it can be. You know, it's, it's, your body's young as you feel, right? And, and it's, it's, it's like what you, what you need to do or what you want to do. And because I love this hobby, I sought out other people. In addition to trying to figure out what else I can do along the lines of architecture, I decided that, okay, you know, at that point, it's all about networking, right? It's like uh, the more people I know, the more opportunities are going to be available to me. And the easiest way that I could network was to bring in the craft beer experience, you know, because so many people, they just light up on that. You know, whether they're into craft beer or not, or they're home brewers, there were a lot of people I was able to connect with because I was talking about beer, Right. Right. And, and ultimately, you know, I, and I, I don't want to forward, fast forward uh, too quickly, but I, I, I met some guys along the way uh, in Plainfield, Illinois, where my wife and I moved in 2006. Um, I, I met a small group of guys that were homebrewers. The guys were on uh, 
the online forums. And, you know, I just, when I, we moved to Plainfield, I, I like to connect with some local homebrewers, right? And kind of get together with these guys. And I met these guys. And uh, ultimately, that kind of grew into a homebrew club. All right. Yeah. There's a place in Plainfield uh, in, that opened up uh, called Limestone Brewing Company. It doesn't exist anymore. Nevins is there right now. Uh, but when Limestone was there, uh, the brewmaster at Limestone, I connected with. His name is Ken McMullen. Great guy. He's up at Hopvine Brewing Company right now, uh, brewing some really good beers. And um, so, I, I, I mean, it, it, at that point in my life, I was looking to connect with a bunch of people and, and just kind of broaden my horizons. And uh, when I connected with Ken, talking with him a little bit, and it's like he said, you know, people are coming in here to Limestone all the time, a bunch of homebrewers. It's like, you know, maybe we should all these homebrewers together and do something, you know? And it's like, okay, should we start a homebrew club? And Ken's saying, yeah, I'm the brewmaster here. I'm the only brewer here. I don't know if I can take that all on myself. So I said, I have some time. I'll step in and I'll be part of that thing too. Maybe we get something going. So we, you know, we started this homebrew club called the Plainfield Ale and Lager Enthusiasts back in about August or not August, October of uh, 2010. And we brought more people in on that and, and more people I was able to connect with, which eventually, and I'm jumping ahead here because I know you're looking to ask a question, eventually led to me being sitting here right in front of you guys right now. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. I think, and that's a common story for a lot of, uh, a lot of home brewers kind of uh, starting off uh, looking to connect, like you were saying, uh, finding a network within a homebrew setting. and. Things just kind of building from here, from there. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, just from, from where George and I are at, that's really inspiring to hear because we've really followed that same pathway. We, we started just with general interest just about a year and a half ago, have found ourselves in two different homebrew clubs, and things have just kind of kind of grown from there. So that's, that's a great story. Yeah, it's, I mean, from my perspective, it's a great way, at the very least, it's a great way to network with a bunch of people. Um, and that sounds really kind of that also doesn't that, that doesn't quite like it sound like it gives gives the whole experience enough credit but really you know through this hobby that we have um you meet all different kinds of people and i've you know through through my experiences through it i've i've yet to meet anybody that is not you know personable and willing to share and things we've learned a whole number of things you know a little bit of a spoiler for our next episode we're going to be talking about a smoked porter that we made purely because a guy at one of our homebrew clubs brought in a smoked beer and we said well you know how do we do that you know what do we need to do and so we sat down and talked with him for a while and then decided to make it ourselves so that kind of collaboration and networking like you're talking about is just vital to, the, to to this kind of thing yeah absolutely absolutely it's 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 just a part of this whole craft beer experience yeah really so if i can ask about the the first year here at uh, pollyanna brewing in in lamont illinois how did things start what kind of challenges did you encounter over the first year what what kind of went best and what what's what are you kind of looking forward to for here in year two hmm. yeah yeah good question um you know, things have gone better than we expected. I think, you know, when uh, the five of us got together and decided to open up Pollyanna Brewing Company, uh, first of all, you need to sell your concept to people who are willing to invest. 
Um, you know, um, so we've got those people, and they've been great. Um, you know, we've all personally invested a bunch of money. You know, it's a startup business, and it's a brewery. It's expensive sure. to do that. Sure. Um, so we we uh, we got off to a really good start. People were enthusiastic about what we wanted to do, and I think we had a really good pl- a business plan. You know, we've got five partners in this business, you know, and I, of course, I've got, I've got the homebrewing experience and I've done some real informal education on my own in terms of learning about the professional brewing experience. But then we've got uh, brewmaster Brian Pavola. Um, you know, I mean, he's a solid brewer. You know, this is, this is really his kind of a second gig, but it's the first gig that he's had all on his own. Uh, I mean, he's the chief of brewing operations here. He's a partner in the business and he's He's done, I think, an excellent job. He's produced some really solid beers, you know, right off the bat. Um, so we were, we were fortunate to have him, um, you know, my, my partner, um, Paul Secor, who's our sales guy. I mean, he's got a solid sales background. Um, uh, Ryan Widener, who's our, our, our financial and legal guy. Um, I mean, he's got that fantastic background as well. And then Don Socorro, who manages Taproom, he's got some excellent, you know, managerial skills right here in the Taproom. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, first and foremost, we had a really solid partnership, guys that have diverse backgrounds that all came together and were able to put this whole thing together. Uh, and we were able to sell our concept to a bunch of investors that allowed us to kind of get over the hump and finally get us open. So that was a good thing, right? And we finally did get open uh, in August 26th of last year. Um, and so the first year is, what, what has it been? It, I, I, I got to say, there's not been too many downs. And that is not something we just expected. To be honest with you, you know, you've got your startup business. You're a bunch of guys who've never been in this business before. So you anticipate that there's going to be some hurdles along the way, and and there certainly were some hurdles. But overall, as a group, we were able to overcome those things and have a very successful first year. Uh, I would say that we're probably about a couple of years beyond where we expected to be at this point, um, which is a, you know, that that's a good thing, right? You know. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I. Go ahead. It's kind of a rare thing, too. I mean, to to be ahead of where you expected to be and to be, uh, you know, moving in a direction and not having to deal with startup issues that you didn't anticipate and things like that. So what would you attribute to your success? I mean, is it just obsessive pre-planning or did you, um, you know, what yeah. uh, you know a, v- a variety of people that knew what they were doing you know kind of thing yeah i i, I think the the second half of your question is or it could be a little bit of both to be honest okay. with you but <laughs> yeah i think we're we're all a little bit obsessive about this and we were all and we all look at our, ourselves as being professionals in our own field right we're all and i'm not and i don't mean to knock anybody on this you know because you can you can do this without a college education, but we're all college-educated guys, and we've spent a fair amount of time in other fields, right? And and I think we've been we're we've, we're really good at kind of learning stuff on the fly, each and every one of us. And so that's been 
that's been key, right? You know, and uh, so we all, and again, we all come from kind of a diverse background and we can cover a lot of the aspects that are associated with a startup business or a startup business in the brewing industry. So that's been, uh, that's been really good. And then, yeah, have we obsessed? Yeah, yeah, we have <laughs> obsessed about it, right? I mean, we got, we got a lot of skin in the game, right? So you, and, and then we've got these other investors that we brought in as well. So it's like, you know, we gotta do good at this. We gotta do everything we can to make this thing work. So there's no, I shouldn't say there's no, I mean, there's a lot of drive here. I was gonna say there's no, uh, it's not like a party every day. You know, it isn't like a party every day, but in a way it kind of is because we're all working in a brewery, right? But we're all driven to, to grow this business. That's first and foremost. We, we think we got a solid concept. Um, we've got solid beers. You know, we're all pretty good at what we do. We got stuff to learn yet. We're going to get better, but we're all driven to, to grow the thing. You know, we, none of us want to fail at this. Does the, uh, does the growth in the craft beer seen over the past two or three years, which is exciting for a lot of people, you know, George and I included, and I, I think for I think for the majority of, of beer enthusiasts out there, it's, it's nothing but a great thing because you have so many great beers being created and are more widely available than they were some years ago. Um, do you see that trend continuing, or do you see this uh, kind of leveling off and staying around for a few years, or how do you how do you kind of see that playing out? Mm. Um, I don't see it leveling off anytime soon. You know, I mean, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, well, there's only so much growth, right? There's going to be a day where everything kind of level levels off, but um, I don't see that happening really soon. There's a lot of really good brewers out there that are brewing really fantastic innovative beers um, that alone doesn't ensure success but at the very least you got to be able to do that you got to come up with something new that people are going to like because people are always looking for something new oh sure but then they're always looking to fall back on something solid as well so from our perspective you need to be able to do both of those things and there's a lot of growth there right now people are always looking for that new thing they will always be looking for that new thing. So that's where the growth is going to be. But you also got to be there to catch them when they fall back. As well. <laughs> I think this is a time-appropriate question as well, because at the time of this recording, which is October of 2015, just within the past week, there's been a press release about the possibility of a merger between Miller and Coors. I'm, I'm sorry, Miller and Budweiser, which would uh, create um, a 70% market share of the beer consumed here in the United States, which is a huge, huge number. How do you feel about that? And, and do, you, uh, do you expect to, do you think this is going to come to fruition? And do you think they're going to retain their dominance in the, in the industry uh, after, some, after a, a convergence like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're big and they're going to dominate for quite some time yet. And, but their market share is shrinking, you know, and probably, you know, some of the things that they're doing in terms of to, to trying to combat that is to buy up, uh, you know, a number of uh, regional and national breweries to just kind of eliminate that competition. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to say, hey, you know, that, that is a bad thing, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing. You know, I look at what, you know, when, uh, 
AB InBev bought Goose. Well, Goose is still producing some fantastic beers. They're solid. I mean, who would, you know, if you were a, and I'm talking from our perspective, who would not like to be like Goose? You know, if you could grow your business into something like Goose, why wouldn't you want to do it? For you sure. Know? So that's, that's an admirable thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know what this merger potentially will do. Um, you know, if they're going to be kind of cutthroat about it and, and start stifling our growth as much as they can, well, that's a bad thing, you know. But if they want to kind of bring on a, a numerous, uh, you know, craft uh, beer brewers that so they can have that part of the market share themselves, well, I can kind of get that, right? You know, so they're losing market share to craft brewers. Why not buy some craft brewers so you can produce some pretty good craft beer and get it out there on the market? Well, why not? The question is, even if they were looking, and, and let's not kid ourselves, they are looking to stifle the growth of craft root beer because it is eroding their market share. Like you said, it's historically it's gone down, you know, from I think they had like 90, 95%. Now you were talking about 70%. That's the number I saw. So... You know, I mean, it, it is eroding their market share quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it's possible that they can? Or is the desire for different and and locally produced or unique beers so entrenched in our society now that there will always be a place for craft brewing? I think that's correct. I think there will always be a, a place for craft brewing, and it's Maybe more a question of how big you can be as a craft brewer, and that kind of comes back to where our position is. But um, so I'm going to avoid going that direction. I'm actually going <laughs> to think a little bit more about the smaller local craft brewer, you know, um, and I'm going to drop a name here. My buddy Ken McMullen out at uh, um, Hopfine Brewing Company has the opinion that, you know, I mean, uh, craft brewing on a local level is kind of a lifestyle kind of thing. And I think that's that's a pretty cool way of looking at it, you know. Um, there's always going to be a desire to connect with that local craft brewers kind of brewing on a smaller scale, you know. So they're going to have they're going to have that niche. Right. And I, I think they will. I think he's right about that. Um as far as you know getting any bigger than that well, of course those are the threats to these guys right if you're if you're growing your business and you're and you're getting so big then you're going to get their attention but i don't know we'll see how that works well i think there's two different styles of craft brewers there's the craft brewers that they want to you know view it as a business and 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 hold wholly and grow it to the point where somebody will be willing to purchase them or they'll be independently wealthy or something like that and then there's the lifestyle brewers like you were talking about that they see this as a as a way to connect with people as a lifestyle as a way to not deal with the corporate rat race and things and uh-huh. i think that that is important and, and both of those are necessary for our industry and i think that that is uh you know it's it's a factor for for people alike. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you're absolutely. saying about that. I kind of lost my train of thought, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd like to ask you a little bit about your beers, okay? If, if that's if that's all right. Um, do you have a couple of staples that are kind of uh, go tos here at Pollyanna? Yeah, we sure do. We have, we have uh, four what we call house brands, and the, first and foremost is the Full Lamonti, which is our golden ale. 
Okay. It's a nice, easy-drinking golden ale. I mean, it's an ale, right? So you got some ale qualities with that. There's a lot of uh, fruity esters associated with the flavors and the aromas. Um, it's it's a low um, low bitterness on this beer, uh, but it's it's what we consider to be our gateway beer for anybody who's not necessarily a uh, a craft beer drinker. If they come in here and they say, "Hey, you got anything like Bud Light?" Well, the answer is no. We don't have anything like Bud Light, but we've got you know we got the full Amante. You know that's our easiest drinking beer, and you know there are people who will only come in here to get the full Amante because they like it so much. Um, the next step, you know, up the ladder from there is uh, Maisie, which is our American Pale Ale. It's a solid American Pale Ale. It's got all those hop qualities, the American hop qualities that you're looking for in a pale ale. And it's got a, a very nice uh, grain bill that kind of harkens back. You know, we like to say that the hop profile on this beer is kind of a West Coast thing, but the malt profile is kind of a Midwest thing because we've got some oatmeal in there and, and some wheat and some other things too. You know, that doesn't make it necessarily all that unique. But when you put our recipe together, it's really kind of a neat, nice pale ale. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. It is. Have I sold you on it? Maybe that's the next one. <laughs> uh, tempting. I was surprised. I found it in, uh, you know, craft breweries you don't expect to find in Major League Baseball stadiums. And I found it at U.S. Cellular Field. Um, uh-huh. So kudos to your sales guy. Yeah, thank you. For sure. <laughs> for sure yeah. But, no, it was, it was very good. It is a very solid American pale ale like you're talking about. And it does have some unique flavors to it. Yeah, it's, we're, we're really proud of Maisie. It's a really, and it is Maisie. It's not Mazzy. It's Maisie. <laughs> but if you want to call it Mazzy, that's okay. Uh, it's Maisie. And uh, yeah, actually, uh, Full Amante and Maisie were both available at U.S. Cellular Field this past season. Uh, Full Amante on draft and Maisie in cans. And um, so we're hoping to kind of expand our selections out there next season. We'll see what happens. I think they were happy with it. We'll see. We'll see what they come back to us with. Well, you mentioned two other ones that you were talking about, kind of your flagship-style beers. Right, right. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, um, Eleanor Porter, which kind of goes, I mean, the namesake of, of Pollyanna, right? The, the, the uh, Pollyanna comes from, our name Pollyanna comes from the book called Pollyanna. It was written back in 1913, and the author of that book is Eleanor Porter. So we've named our porter Eleanor. And it is a, I mean, I think we're all kind of in love with Eleanor here just a little bit, you know, because Eleanor, we think it's a robust porter. And it's, it's, it's a solid, wonderful porter that we can do a number of different things with, right? It's terrific all by itself. You know, it's, 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 um, you know, it's, it's a little bit geared up as far as porter goes because it's a robust, but there's all the nice bitter chocolate, the coffee notes that are associated with it. I mean, when you drink Eleanor Porter, you really feel like you've had a beer, right? It's, it's rich. It's wonderful. And there are things that, uh, I, it's going to sound a little dirty, but there are things that we like to do with Eleanor. <laughs> We put Eleanor in a barrel, you know, and we do stuff like that. Um, and it's a very, what I'm saying is it's a very versatile beer, you know, because it's got that, that richness and that robustness to it that we can do certain things to. So, um, you know, and a lot of people ask me, you know, hey, what's your favorite beer here? And I go, well, I love all of them, right? And I do. I really do. I, I, I think Brian's done a fantastic job with 
all the beers that we have here. Uh, but I got a special place in my heart for Eleanor. So that's Eleanor. And then we've got Lexical Gap. Lexical Gap is our West Coast IPA. If you're looking for a hardcore American IPA, it's got to have all those wonderful West Coast characteristics to it. And that's what Lexical Gap is. So those are our, our four flagships. So IPA, notoriously high IBU. Um, yeah. What Lexical Gap, was that come in at? Do you know? Gosh, you had to ask me. <laughs> I don't have the number memorized, and I should. Uh, I think we're up around seven, seven plus on that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, I mean, if you're going for an American IPA, that's kind of where you're you looking gotta to go. You got to gear it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I asked these, this question of every home brewer and every professional brewer I can find is like the craziest thing that you guys have made has whether or not it's made the um the menu or not you had to dump you know 15 barrel of it down the drain that's not happened you know <laughs> what is the craziest thing you guys have made oh gosh the craziest thing we've made oh boy let me think on that um uh, You know, we're very careful. I'll, I will tell you this. We're very careful about the directions that we want to go, right? Because if you get too far off the track, you know, there's you kind of lose the marketability of that beer. Um, so we haven't gone too, too crazy. But I think the most, if I can change the term up a little bit, the most exotic beer that we've made. Exotic works. Sure. Okay is we did a Belgian quad that was aged in wine barrels. And yeah. these wine barrels, um, they came from uh, Sonoma, California. Um, some were um, American oak that had burgundy in them. Some were French oak that had uh, Cabernet in them. And we put our Belgian quad, which I think is a fantastic Belgian quad all by itself, in those barrels and aged it for nine months. And then we did a blend with those, all those barrels, carbonated, bottled it. Bottles are available, by the way, <laughs> in the tap room only, but it's also on tap as well. And I think that's, that's probably our most um, intricate, exotic beer that we've done to date. It definitely is. And I know Jason has two of those in his basement, unless he's already drank one of them. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saving it for a special time. Okay, so a special occasion. It Just to add some color to that, George and I were present for the, uh, for the bottle release night. Uh, the, the place was as filled as the place could get, and for good reason. The environment here is great, and I tell you, that beer is fantastic. It's, one of, the, it's one of the most unique Belgians you could ever come across. The, the, the wine concentration is just right. Yeah, it's and it's a it's really a great beer and kudos to you for yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it's surprising because it. yeah. you can taste the tannins uh-huh. of the of the red wine, which you wouldn't expect, but out of a beer. But and it, it isn't as jarring as you would think. Right. Like it kind of complements the quad and and lingers a little bit, which is very nice. Yeah, we're really happy with the way the balance turned out on that. And you're right. You know, there there could be. You know, you, you put something in a barrel and things could go over the top very easily. But we kind of monitored this thing as it aged. And uh, and we did, I mean, honestly, we did, uh, and I think this is the way anybody, professional brewer, would do it in terms of a barrel-aged beer. You know, you're looking at, at possibly combining it. You know, what's going to be what's gonna be the mix on this thing? You know, do we go 
you know, all bourbon barrel, or uh, not, uh, not bourbon, but uh, burgundy barrel, separate from the, um, the uh, Cabernet barrels? Do we mix it together? Do we blend in a little bit of the unbarrel-aged stuff? And, and we looked at it that way. You know, we, we did various t- types of mixes, and we decided, hey, you know, bottom line is it, it made sense to just blend all four original barrels together, and it came out really well. We love the balance with that. Yeah, as well you should. It's yeah. very good. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. so, year two. Yeah. What, uh, what's what's kind of some, some targets or some thoughts about what's going to kind of come to Pollyanna in the next year? Yeah, can you give us some spoilers about, like, recipes that are coming out? Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We got some things coming up. I think that the most immediate thing that we got going on is we're doing a little bit of a collaboration with Imperial Oak. I'd like to say they're just up the canal here from us. <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, so that's on, on November 7th. That's uh, Movember Day. And we'll have a, uh, we'll actually have a, the, the barrel run, the, the bus that will shuttle people back and forth between Imperial Oak and us. That's, that's the most current thing that's coming up. That's, like I say, that's a double oatmeal stout. Double oatmeal stout. Double oatmeal stout. So, so it's, 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 like, it's got some, it's, not only does it have all those wonderful oatmeal stout characteristics, it's got some more intensity to it as well. Okay. So that's wow. coming up. Wow. It's coming up. So that'll be available on that day, again, November 7th. But we will also take that beer and put it in bourbon barrels and age it for a period of months. So that's going to come out again next year as well, that very same beer. Wow. So that's that's coming up, and we're excited to do that as well. Um, That's coming up. Uh, Other beers we got going on. I'm trying to think, what do we got going on? (laughs) Where's Brian? Brian, Brian. We we got other beers coming out. Uh, We did a triple just this past week, Belgian triple. That's coming out. Um, you know, that looked for that to be possibly part of our Arenda series. Again, that, uh, that uh, wine barrel-aged quad that we did, that was Arenda 2. The unbarrel-aged stuff was Arenda Volume 1. These are volumes, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Volume 3 might be that triple. We'll see how that pans out. Um, that's coming up. Um, drawing a blank in terms of the, the newer beers that were coming out, which is terrible. Uh, go to the website. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all right. Facebook. It's all right. Yeah, and then you know we're looking we're looking to expand. You know we're kind of reaching that point right now. We're at the end of our first year. Um, it's great. Demand is up. Um, we're going to be adding some more fermenters in here in in the future. Really? Certainly within the next year. Uh, you know, five more fermenters, another bright tank, which will pretty much max us out at this location. Yeah. So um, that's that's probably the biggest uh, thing we got going for the for the near future. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kicking myself right now for not leading with this question, and it's I'm very curious to, is to is to hear um, hear how what, what this uh, what this is like for you. Um, in a given week, being being the VP of operations for Pollyanna Brewing, yeah. what's a week like uh, for you in terms of where your focus is, where your where your highest uh, concentration of activities are, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what uh, I guess what worries you uh, the most in that in that concentration. Hmm. Yeah, really good question. What worries me the most? Um, 
So I'm going to take the later part of that question first. What worries me the most? You know, it's like, okay, we're a startup business, really. We're a year old, right? And we've, there's been a lot of water on the bridge. We've had really good success in the past year. What worries me the most? You know, what worries me the most is handling expansion, bringing on more employees, um, you know, and, and um, you know, where do we put stuff? You know, where do we bring in? Yeah, I mean, we're bringing in more fermenters. We're bringing another bright. You know, we, I mean, there's always stuff coming in and out of here. Where do we, where do we put stuff, you know? And then, you know, beyond that, it's like, okay, what's the next point of expansion then, right? So I'm always, I'm, I mean, in my mind, I'm always thinking ahead, 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 ahead. That's kind of the function of an operations guy. Uh, but, you know, in terms of a typical week, you know, the toughest weeks for us are canning weeks um, because we've been canning two days uh, out of a week. Is that done here on site? It is done here on site. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking around. There's no canning line here. We use a, <laughs> we use a mobile canner. Okay. Right? We use a really good mobile canner. I will, I will qualify that. Who's been great. I mean, that's, that's the only guy that we've ever used. Um, and uh, we will continue to use that mobile canner until it's time for us to bring our own canning line in here. And I can't predict when that's going to be exactly, but that's always in the back of my mind. Being the operations and facilities guy, like, okay, when are we going to need to bring that in? When's that going to come? When do we need to do that? Um, but, yeah, we use a really good mobile canner. Um, you know, canning, like I say, canning weeks in the past, it's changing up a little bit. But in the past, it's been like a Tuesday Tuesday we'll run Maisie cans, Thursday we'll run Lexical Gap cans. Guess what? We're probably brewing every day that week anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of the production side, as it as it sits right now, and this is going to change, um, it's Brian and me. Brian and me. We're the production guys down there. We're the we're the guys down there every day, producing, right? So. Uh, my challenge is as an operations guy, it's like, okay, I got to get the mobile can in here. I got to have cans in here. You know, we got to make sure this whole thing runs. Everything's got to be packaged up and then it's got to get out of here. That's kind of where I come from. So canning weeks are pretty intense. Now, like I mentioned, we can on Tuesday, we can on Thursday. If you throw a bottling day in there, like we're filling bombers for the Arenda Volume 2 series, that was a 15-hour day. That was a, that was a Wednesday. That was in between two canning days. Wow. So it's it's pretty in, it's pretty intense, you know, and I don't mean at all to sound like I'm complaining about that because, you know, we're all doing what we want to do here. You know, we're growing a business. We're growing a brewery. Um, you know, we're doing something we love to do. There are little rewards along the way. At the end of the day, you know, hard day's work. I come up here and I pull a beer off the tap, you know, <laughs> and I sit here in the tap room and I talk to a customer and I get to connect with them. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's, I love that stuff, you know? So yeah, we work really hard. We work our butts off here, but we're a startup business. We're business owners. You should expect to do that. So sure. I'm not, I don't want everybody, anybody to ever think I'm complaining about that. But we do work our butts off. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, but that's well, okay. I'll tell you, just looking at the beer, it's evident in what you guys do. I mean, there's a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of passion and a lot of uh, knowledge that goes into this. Because I don't know about you, but I've never had a single one here that I've 
decided, you know, isn't for me. So I definitely I think that you guys are doing um, good work here. I, I was out at a local place. I said, hey, give me give me a porter. Give me a good example of a porter. And they, you know, they came up with uh, Eleanor, oh, and cool. um, and so you know, it was it was definitely one I had before, but I was not upset getting it because they're right; it's a good example of a porter. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta agree. I, I, I mean, on one hand, it's it's like I'm kind of in between, right? I'm humbled to hear that. Whenever I hear that somebody likes a beer, they come across it somewhere and they love it, that's a humbling thing. Um, and on the other hand, I go, yeah, I agree with you. That, that really is a good beer. You know, I, I can't help it, but you're right. You know, it's a good beer. It's not to say there are no other, you know, really good solid porters out there, but I think we did really well with that. And I think we do really well with all of our beers here. And, and again, I, I speak from a modest standpoint of view. I mean, believe it or not, I, I really do because, uh, you know, nobody's taking anything for granted here. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that you have 14 years of home brewing experience, which is arguably different from a professional level. Yeah, that ended last year, by the way. Uh, so no more home brewing for you? Nope. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't home brewed since March of 2014. Oh, it's yeah. a little sad, but okay. That's all right. Um, <laughs> so when you were, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of home brewing experience, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are just getting into it or trying to evolve what they're doing with home brewing. What would be a suggestion, you know, just focusing on being a good home brewer, a suggestion that uh, you would send somebody down like a different technique or uh, something Mm. to look out for? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Gosh, I don't know. I don't know about a different technique. I don't know about necessarily directing somebody in terms of any particular piece of equipment or a way to do things, but I would say... Uh, uh, the most important thing is to connect with somebody. You know, when I started home brewing, I read Charlie Papazian's book. I went to the local homebrew shop. I bought some equipment. I started home brewing. Um, and then I discovered online forums. So I connected with a number of people on the online forums. It was, it was um, the best thing other than having an actual person there to help me out. So I learned a lot of this stuff on my own. But I guess my suggestion is to connect with somebody, whether it be on a forum or whether through a homebrew club or another person, you know, connect with somebody who can, who can kind of give you some tips and uh, valuable tips that will kind of move you along so you can improve your brewing. Um, other than that, it's like, okay, get to know your equipment and get to know your process. Equipment and process, right? The more you know those two things, the better brewer you're going to be, right? Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. That's really it. That's it. I mean, that's, that's what it is on, on a professional level. That's the way it is on a home brewing level. Um, the more you brew on your equipment, and the more you refine your process, the better brewer you're going to be. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Ed Melnar from Pollyanna Brewing in Lamont, Illinois. Do you have a website and uh, social media links you'd uh, like to uh, throw up? Sure do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the website is www.pollyannabrewing.com. <laughs> and then we're on Facebook as well. Just do a search for us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Gosh, what's left? Am I missing something? We're, all, we're out there all over the place. We're on Untapped. Radar Beer is highly on Untapped. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we do. Um, <laughs> we're also, you know, a nice place to brew.com and we're off on various social media links ourselves on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm missing one, aren't I? Uh, Instagram at uh, a nice place to brew, uh, Twitter at nice place to brew, and also check us out on Periscope. Uh, Periscope, uh, yes. Connected to our uh, Twitter page uh, at nice place to brew. Uh, regular website, of course, is www.aniceplacetobrew. Again, Ed Melnar from uh, Pollyanna Brewing in Lamont, Illinois. Ed, th- this has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And thank, thank, thank you, you for sharing all your knowledge with I'm us. I'm glad you guys came out. And thanks for seeking us out and coming to our place and, and, and liking our beer. Again, if you guys are in the area, Pollyanna Brewing is in Lamont, Illinois. Um, right off um, which street? Right, right off of Stephen Street. Right know, off of Stephen Street. If you're familiar with downtown Lamont, you know, we're, we're behind Stone House and uh, La Dolce Vita. You know, there's a parking lot behind them. We're on the end of the parking lot right near the canal. Yeah, come by, say hi. You can get a really nice view of their brewing setup uh, from the balcony, and it's a and enjoy some good beers. Get some Eleanor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, do it. Well, we're going to sign off, and uh, as we always say at the end of our show, it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. So that being said, cheers. cheers.